1: Our friends at Isotope have just made their portable recording solution, the Spire Studio, even better. And the best part is that you can try out the app and recording platform for Spire completely free. Download the iOS app for your phone or tablet today by following links in the description of this podcast and make sketching down your song ideas incredibly easy and intuitive. Without the Spire, you won't have the mic or preamp, but you still have access to the software and effects that can polish your demo recordings more than you probably thought possible. The second generation Spire studio ups the state by offering ultra-low noise preamps that offer smooth, quieter recording and increased storage capacity. There's also Spire Pro, an optional subscription service accessed via the iOS app, and personalised soundtrack feature that listens and learns from your voice and environment. Check them out at Isotope.com. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Matt
2: Knight. Good evening, Mr. Joe Branton. How are you? Good evening,
1: Matt. I'm good. I'm good. Um, Yes, and uh, that's right. Ah, dear, dear listener. Damn it. I was asked not to say that's right or dear listener, but I couldn't think of anything else to say at that moment. (laughs) But yes, it, yeah, it's just going to be me, me and Matt this week, which is great—the um, gruesome twosome.
2: But yes, exactly, uh, exactly. It's lovely to have you you back on Matt after a couple of weeks. I um, I really feel like loads of stuff has happened, and I've sort of been out of the loop. Like, um, I saw there was a bunch of Fender stuff. I think that I sort of like delays over and was like oh, some stuff and you guys in the chat at one point we're talking about the new ibanez which we're going to talk about later yeah and then uh, i was just looking on the group because i know you post about some questions and then there was this this um i know we haven't got it in the the agenda for today joe but i just wanted to touch on this very quickly someone had posted the clockwork echo from jay rocket um which is another delay pedal designed by howard davis The designer of the original Deluxe Memory Man, who also designed the Super Analog Delay and the X5 Analog Delay. And I kind of get the feeling that he's like going, how many more times could I reinvent (laughs) the Deluxe Memory Man? Um, It looks cool, though. This it's does very cool. look
1: very much like a Memory Man sort of layout, you know, with the addition of the Tap Tempo. I remember seeing this briefly, and to be honest, I was annoyed that the cogs, the clockwork cogs, which are part of the artwork, weren't actual cogs. That that yeah, that, it,
2: it does look a bit like that. Um, yeah, it was it was funny. I was playing around with delay pedals as you do, and um, I because I have got an original Deluxe Memory Man, which they are going for. Silly money. I mean, there's the 70s well, ones with the hardwired plugs, and then there's the right. 90s reissues with the plug-in. And which um, one do you have? So I have one of the 90s big box reissues, so the big sheet metal boxing, because obviously the more modern right, ones right. are the XO casing, you know, the more solid yes. um, casing. So the one so, you have, does that have a like a jack as the power cable? Is it that? Yes, theory? that's right. The 24-volt centre pin positive yeah. Just, you know, ridiculous power supply um, that always, you know, would always get lost or break it. Because they just shipped in those wooden boxes. Yeah. Uh, they just shipped in a wooden box with barely any packaging in. Um, and oh, the amount that we used to see in, when working in GAC in the early days and just, ah, oh, it's broken, no power supply, whatever. And now, I mean, there's some sellers online naming no names who are definitely trying to you know, push the price up of the market. Up. You know, <laughs> I think things are always worth what someone's willing to pay for them. But I've seen some go for like seven, eight, nine hundred pounds. I'm just like, what? I know it's insane money. Um, they all sound a bit different. They're all a bit quirky as well why, like, why is that is
1: it just there were no consistency of parts i just think point? i
2: think there's just very little consistency even in the like nine 2000 i think late 90s 2000s you know little consistency kind of quick build um and i think also the nature of some of the parts um as well so i've had mine serviced a couple of times and i love using it um it's a bit impractical in some ways one you don't want to step on the switch in case you break it right. um but two this it's there's like a volume drop and there's no trails, you know, all of the things you'd expect from like a modern delay, I guess. Um, So I use mine with a little loop switcher box and I was using mine with the tri-parallel mixer and it's just so... I think the one thing that people struggle to capture is its musicality. You know, when you play a pedal and it's just... You know, you get good sounding pedals and then you get pedals that just sound so grossing i guess you play them and you just like songs riffs ideas just like time just disappears as you play them like you can play a good drive pedal and go that's a great drive pedal i will definitely plug that in again at some point and then you get like other pedals where you're like i can't not have this and every time you go i just want to try something different on my pedal board and then you you try it for a bit and then you go back to the other thing and you're like no and i just can't get rid of it I wish I had three of them so I could put them on every board I had. <laughs> um, and there are some great, you know, this one looks like a, I'd be keen to try it. Anything that's kind of Deluxe Memory Man vibe, um, I'm always I'm always willing to give a go. But yeah, I just feel like I've missed a lot, Joe, mm. these last few weeks. Um, there, there have been a lot of things. Have you actually owned a, a 70s Music Man
1: just, just on, before we... Move music
2: on. music it's, as in sorry. music man guitar or you mean no, no, deluxe sorry. memory man <laughs> it's memory man Yes, sorry i have i actually owned a memory man so not the deluxe one um and i sold it <laughs> uh-huh. it didn't sound as good as the deluxe cuz the deluxe has the modulation circuit in right and i was like i don't really need to and yeah it's the less desirable of the two but um yeah yeah it's um Deluxe Memory Man's definitely got a magical sound to it that not many people have kind of captured. The closest I've come recently, um, I've been messing around with a company called Screddy, who have been around for a long time. Um, have a delay pedal, just the Screddy delay, which is actually digital and it's based on Echoplex, which is a different kind of delay circuit, but still very, very musical. Um, you know, great sounding. Been playing the DM2W quite a lot. You know, that sounds really good. Yeah, I, um, I mean, I still
1: don't think that pedal can really be topped. Um, I think the, just the, the bus DM2W,
2: yeah, I think just for general sounds and and delay, it's really good. I tell you what, I have been trying with that, which is, um, We did talk about it on the podcast a long time ago, but the guys at Old Blood Noise sent me one, which is their Ah, uh, Expressionator, I think. Is that what it's called or something? Something like that. Basically, it's two fixed expression points that you can then just quickly flick between or you can modulate between. Um, And that plugged into the delay rate of the DM2 is wicked because you can go between a fast and a slow delay um, or you can do it like with a... You know, an LFO like automatically. So as you're playing, like the delay will like slowly speed up or slow down. So that's quite that's quite cool. That's it's Um, actually
1: still kind of a cornerstone of Tim, the guitarist in my band's sound. The DM2W, and he has I think they're called. It's called the Wingman or something. It was a Digitech, uh, basically the replacement knob, essentially. uh, But it's got you know a big bit. I'm not describing that very well, listener. But you know, it's got a big.
2: It's it's like a big. um, It's like a giant
1: nut for your yeah for your pedal right so you can move it with your foot basically and, and you know and he can flick between you know long and and short delay tones quickly and easily and and it's been something that he's used all the time on everything since the dm2w came out
2: yeah it's it, it's great i mean i've had one for um, a number of years. In fact, was Tim? No, maybe Tim. You remember when, before I worked at Roland, we did a boss event at um, the old artist studios there, and a bunch yeah. of people brought down their boards, and everyone got mm-hmm. a DM2. That, that's um, it. That was the point. That was when that, Tim that got was his the point. DM2W. Yeah, so from then. Um, yeah, that was a good day. And I and I got mine from then as well. It's wicked. Um, but I tell you what is super interesting, actually. Just uh, while we finish on this topic of delays and... Uh, Ways to Control Expression. I I need to give a shout-out to this very small brand on Instagram uh, based in Spain called El To, I guess. Garagé. It's spelled E-L underscore G-A-R-A-T-G-E. El Um, Garage. El Garage, basically, I think it is. So this uh, person makes the expression knob, which is basically a exactly what it sounds like it's an expression pedal built into a just like a normal you know boss pedal knob basically that plugs into an expression pedal input so it's a jack and then an l shape and then on the top of the l shape is a knob and you can just plug it into any pedal and then that controls your expression um and it's just really handy um You know, especially when you've got pedals that an an expression pedal will control like multiple things at once, but you haven't got room for an expression pedal. Um, It's just a really cool idea. The guy, I think, designed it, or person, should I say, designed it for um, Chase Bliss pedals. So you could have, because Chase Bliss pedals don't have like an expression pedal knob on them they all all the knobs do something obviously as you move them around but you can set an expression pedal to control multiple parameters at once so he built it for that and um yeah they're like i think you have to message him on his instagram but they were like 25 euros what was the what was the? because oh, i obviously spelt it wrong when you it, when you it is, it what is, it is at right. at is el at. <laughs> underscore g-a-r-a-t-g-e um ah, right here we musical are. apparatus apparatus from barcelona, barcelona. he yeah. also for any users great of cha- looking cat great looking cat uh, on his indeed Instagram. um for any users of the big chase bliss pedals so the cxm 78 or the benson preamp he also makes a magnetic detachable cover for the faders um <gasps> the which I know- reason
1: i would never gig that pedal Yes. And he
2: solved it. Yes. So um I bought one off him. Um really cool. Really really cool. I, know, he also I think Dan
1: Pilvner from uh from uh, Dan Pilvner from uh, Isotope was uh was talking about getting something like this for his chase bliss yeah. as well. So, so.
2: I, I check him out. Great great little brand just starting out. Um and uh yeah, looks really cool. Um so that, that's one worth checking out. And actually, Joe, we are, we are off topic here in some ways. But talking of delay pedals uh-huh. and talking of Chase Bliss yes. and flying faders, there yes. is a, there's another new brand in town um, based in Portland. So a friend of the podcast, uh, Blake, may, may know of these people. Um, I think actually Andy Pro guitar, ex pro guitar shop, Andy, posted a picture of these, uh, this brand, Gecko Pedals, out of Portland. He, um, or they, uh, have made the EP5 Geckoplex, which is a Echoplex uh, oh, replica. Yes. I did um, see this. Which is got some fantastic controls on it, what you'd expect, uh, you know, volume, repeats, tone, tap tempo. Or you can control the tempo with a slider that goes across the entire length of the pedal. But the slider is also a flying slider, which I think is very, very Uh. cool. Um, So limited production. It's just one person making them in their garage, I think, at the moment. Building a few, a bit of a following, but yeah, gecko pedals. Um, So yeah, loads of Instagram I'm I'm digging Instagram Ooh, they, for new they brand follow us. Gecko pedals follow us. How about yes? That? I'm I did gonna give uh, them a follow back. I did I did mention I'm I I've been desperately trying to get one. He's like I think I can ship to the UK. I'm not sure. And I'm like let's work this out because um, <laughs> I'm into big delay pedals. So. Okay of course there we go that's my 20 minute or whatever time we're at uh, rant on uh on delay pedals that's yeah, good like, that's oh god i've missed you i know i know i know i missed talking on this podcast but yeah loads of stuff's been happening loads of yeah. stuff's been happening it has um, it has and, and despite like
1: i do feel like the the entire community is kicking off again we're getting so many like new releases loads of new pedals loads of new guitars we, we'll talk about a little bit about the news later but as I said, we've also had some excellent questions on the Facebook group, Guitar Nerds Group on Facebook. Dear listener, if you're not a part of it, join it. You know, a lot of you aren't a part of it because there's there's like there's only like seven seven and a bit thousand people on it. So you know, join it, dear listener. But uh, you know what I've been doing over this time? Rediscovering the MS3. Um good man. Know, I yes, I I hate to you know blow smoke up your bum bum, but uh but yeah, it's it's a fantastic pedal obviously like recently I was I kind of rediscovered the Helix whilst I've been you know, whilst it's been locked down. I was like, yeah, this pedal's great. I do think it's easier to use than a GT1000. Like, the navigation's better. And mm. I I found it easier to make weird things. The GT1000 for me is like a, a fantastic straight-up, like, here are some good tones if you want a good guitar tone. But for me, I'm like, what if I... Don't want a good guitar tone the the helix is very good at <laughs> like the helix was good at that like me being like can i have four ramps like r- all running into this one delay pedal which i'm then controlling with this like it was great for easily making weird stuff i know the gc1000 does it as well just on the fly it was great for that so i built myself like a um a new sort of bunch of bass p-m-s. i was like yeah i'm gonna use this i'm gonna commit this um to to polymath to my band and i and i made my like i was like this is great cuz i really care about drive and so i was like yes i'm going to shape my own special drive tone and i was doing that by you know having things running in parallel different drives running into different preamps and then linking back up and eqs after different ones it made like a really complex sort of drive thing i was like yeah this sounds this sounds great and i took it to to practice and uh, and i you know i I brought like a, a different bass because I'd just got a new bass. And of course the drive tone's different. And then I was like, How on earth? What like, where do I start in on the fly changing this tone? You know, <laughs> from this this drive patch I've built out of four drives and like a bunch of EQs and compressors and stuff. Like, where do I even start? And I I realised then I was like, as soon as i got back in a rehearsal space with my band i was like oh yeah when you're actually gigging and you're not in your bedroom you just need stuff to work and be sensible and functional and so i bought uh, a built an ms3 board again with a few additional drives and stuff and i had some cool boutique things on there and i took that to the next practice and i was like oh this is this is this is good, this is better, this is fine, but I, honestly like I you know, I I got a new weird boutique drive and I was like this sounded great in my bedroom but actually like I'm losing quite a lot of low end, it's not really working for bass. I don't have anything to replace it on me, but it's really not working and we're going to be recording some stuff. I'll I'll switch this patch out and change it for the built-in overdrive on the on the uh, the bass overdrive. There are, like, three of them, three options, I think, on the on the MS3 for for base overdrive, or maybe a couple more, but they're clean or mid-boosts, I think, the other ones. But, you know, so I just changed it for the the drive, which was essentially the... Uh, what, what is it called? What's the yellow boss? ODB3. ODB3. So it's, it's, it's the MS3's version of that drive. And it sounded fantastic. Like, being able to just blend it in so it wasn't maybe quite as harsh. Of course, that pedal itself has a blend as well, but you know, just being able to blend in a bass drive is always very useful. And I was like, this sounds absolutely brilliant. And I kind of came away from that practice being like, well, I've moved like all my vibrato tones are now from the MS-3. My ring mod, which I use a lot, that's, that's the MS-3. The drive I prefer on the ms3 to any other things that i owned and that included sort of things like the the bb1x for me i actually preferred the sound of the you know not the bb1x is a great pedal but i slightly preferred the sound of the built-in drive and the ms3 and i was at a point where i started taking apart my pedal board and putting it back together with the things i needed and i've just ended up with loads of gaps that i can't fill because because so much of it i'm like there is no point in me adding these things when the MS-3 is doing all of these things so well. So for me, it was just... I've just had a, an an incredibly fun time rediscovering yeah. the MS-3 and just remembering how legitimately fantastic the tones are on that pedal.
2: Yeah, it's, it's interesting, and I don't want to turn this into boss hour, but no. um, <laughs> obviously, like, we have released lots of in the five years that I've been there you know I, I guess we're probably at like a hundred products or something ridiculous since I've been there it just feels like a crazy amount of stuff and um, you know I I try stuff and I and I play a lot of what we release up until when we release it and you know for testing and and I've got a bit of a team now who are doing a lot of testing and product support and customer support and stuff so I have like less time with the products because I'm like looking at more strategy and, and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And I was like, I haven't plugged the GT 1000 core in properly since probably like late last year, the beginning of this year. And I've had it like sat on my, in my pile of pedals for ages. And I was like, oh, I'm going to build it into a big pedal board. Cause I was like building some boards and messing around with some stuff. And I was like, oh, I really want something that does this sound and this sound. And then I was like, I just had the GT one thousand core plugged in to an amp. Turned all the amp modeling off. Was so just using the effect, the effects in it, and I was like getting some of the best so- sounds and like feeling, you know, like like responsive, like drive sound stuff. And I was like, this thing's amazing. <laughs> and you I, and actually you uploaded a little video of this onto the yeah. Facebook so group. I, I, you know, the the good thing, I guess, the MS three is like a multi effects unit, but it's got three effects loops in it. Um, where the GT1000 core is more like a full multi-effects processor that does have two external loops, but it's it, it does a lot more in terms of it's got amp modelling in it and it's got more assigns. You can, like, program it to do a whole bunch of stuff internally. Uh, and you can sort of bend it to your, your will, I guess, depending on what sort of thing you need. And I was like, I'm going to build... It really opens up once you add an extra two-button foot switch so you've got a little, you know, an yeah. up and down or however... So I thought i will put all of it in a Boss BCV30X, which is our tiny pedal board, basically. So that FS7 foot switch. And um, I just was like, once I started diving into program, I was like, oh, man, like, there's so much stuff that you can do it in that one little pedal board. Um, because I was actually, it sort of came a little bit out of wanting to record better guitar sounds for the stuff that we've been talking about on previous podcasts. And I was like, actually, what I'd really like to be able to do, if I'm just going to lay down guide tracks at the moment, because it's still not really set up for doing reamping or anything, I just want to be able to, like, have a good guitar sound from a pedal that I know and the sounds that I know, rather than trying to use plugins and stuff. Um, So I tried to build, like, basically the small recording board, and then, yeah, with the extra pedal, I managed to get it set up. So I've got one button that's always a looper, one that always does, like, an external effect, and then you can go between bank up, bank down, and then, like, a pedal board mode. So, yeah, two buttons go up and down, and you hit another button, and it puts you into pedal board mode, and then you've got two um, buttons to, you know, control extra external effects. And actually, i realised that most of the time, if I'm just jamming around, I only really need, per patch, like... A couple of switchable sounds right um because the amount of times i've like plugged in my big pedal board and then spent about half an hour like dialing everything in and then going i haven't actually like played anything <laughs> so i kind <laughs> of wanted a small board where i was like playing a little bit more and yeah i've i've kind of just like totally fallen in love with this product like all over again and gone it's just at the moment this is just sort of like all i need um
1: I love but, that it fits perfectly into the BCBJ. Yeah, that little
2: BCB30X, is, it's great. So, because it's foam, and then underneath is some little channels for cables. I've actually got it set up, so power supply goes in, goes I was going to say, can you,
1: so you can fit the power supply un, underneath, right?
2: Well, the, the power supply is like an external, like mini brick, I guess, that plugs into the the wall like a PSA a slightly bigger oh, PSA right. oh okay, okay. Um, but yeah I've got it comes with a little the BCB comes with a little daisy chain lead which you can hide underneath the foam so daisy chain lead goes into the GT into the FS7 and then two more uh, little points come out from the other side of the pedal board it all tucks away inside but it means that if I want if I'm playing a G- the GT and I'm like oh I really want to put like a fuzz or a wah or I'm testing some other pedal the power supply is like already there. I can hook stuff up really easily and then just plug it straight into the front of the GT. Oh. Um, so that's quite cool. But I've set it up purely just for using into the front of an amp. I haven't set any patches up with amp modelling yet, but I'm going to do that as a kind of like a phase two, I think, with getting used to doing some recording at home, having something set up for more recording at home. Just because I like having the pedal. I, I guess in a similar way to, to you, Jay, where you've done stuff before, it's like... I prefer having a bit more hat. If I'm going to adjust something, I don't mind diving into the menu or like touching a control. And it's like in plugins, I'm just I'm just not getting that vibe. They sound great, but just not giving me the same feeling. Sure, yeah, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. definitely.
1: It's 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 every it's 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 a taste thing isn't it i did find that uh, almost you know to the next level back from that that was my another reason for my move back to the ms3 where i reintroduced like a sansamp preamp and things because i realized well actually when i'm at a gig and stuff i need to be able to change stuff quickly you know i i Mm. need if if the room sounds different i don't need to be diving into menus to change stuff i appreciate you do have to do that on the on the gt core but you know i that was that was my reason for going back to the ms3 work and have a few externals but still reap all the benefits of the built-in effects i just needed some things that i can change on the fly if the situation requires it i'm going to try doing this with my
2: gt core i think because well i'll tell, I tell you what joe what i found really interesting which is a, fe- a little feature that i forgot about which is the say for example you've got your chain and you've got right i'm always going to use you are the same as me so i'll pick this specific example i i always use a vb2 i'd love vibrato absolute best right so you can set up the depth and the level and all that and save it as a stomp box give it a name joe's vibrato whatever and every patch rather than trying to dial that same vibrato sound in you can just recall it as a stomp box and then if you adjust the level for example or the depth it every patch that has that stomp box in it it will adjust globally
1: oh that is nice so
2: that that's really i found that really handy for like Delay because I tend to have the same um like digital delay sound with a bit of high end rolled off. And then really all I want to adjust is like feedback or level. <laughs> um because I always have a bit of delay in the background. So yeah, I, I've just saved like a basic stomp box and then just you adjust it like it's basically like adjusting it globally. Um so that's really handy for people who do need to do stuff on the fly flyway are using reverbs and you know delays or drives and it just means that you can set like your preferred set of effects and you don't have to constantly like oh yeah i dialed in that great drive sound like how do i dial it in again you can just like go and and pick the stomp box um which i and you can do that with all the effects and all the amps as well which is quite cool that is quite nice um because because i found that um there was just like one or two amps. If I was going to use amps, there's one or two amp sounds that I'd like. Generally clean, then do everything else with pedals. And but you can obviously adjust those a little bit more globally if you want. But I will admit you do need to deep dive into it a bit more. And yeah. you know, there isn't anything quite, you know, quite as fun as having a bunch of pedals and of you course. know messing around on the fly. But actually for me at home, just something to plug into real quick um of a daytime or an evening where I can't unbox a big pedal board or I'm not sat down for like three or four hours to play. This has just been really, really good. Yeah. Really, really solid. Yeah. Um Do, I think I think for
1: for me, like my the difficulty I find I'll find in trying to move from the MS3 to the GT core is simply down to like it's that it's the gigging mentality where I'm like, I don't want to think about this. With the MS3, I have literally my four sounds in front of me and I don't have to click anything off. I just click them and I have my clean on one my drive on two vibrato on three ring mod on four and you know yeah i can bank up and i get like my weird f***ing... Ooh, i swore then <laughs> i have to you have to bring that one out uh, yes i will indeed but uh you know i can i can scroll up and i'll have my weird uh octave uh fuzz sound with a bunch of delay on it and all the weird things you know for the for the bank up but essentially my main four sounds are clean drive uh, uh vibrato and ring mod and I can literally just hit those at any point. And that it's that convenience that I'd never want to lose, which which I think I it, it, it would seem like even if I was upgrading a pedal, even I appreciate the MS3's almost old hat now. But you know, I, I I would find it difficult to upgrade to something and then lose that convenience, you know.
2: Mm. Yeah, I think um yeah I, I can see that it's um i don't know it uh, sometimes yeah you just have to sort of experiment a bit more don't you of course yeah yeah um but the ms you are you are good you are right the ms3 is a little is a good little board if you want to integrate both some external effects but also have some kind of your your standard pedals in there i mean i realized actually i was like right i'll limit one of the problems i I always have is like straight off the bat you know quite a lot of our products like here's 200 presets i'm like give me 10. (laughs) You know, I don't want to scroll past more than 10 patches, basically. And I was like, right, I'm going to create 10 patches. And I struggled once I got to nine. I was like, how many more sounds do I actually need? And I know people out there obviously do have a lot more, uh, of course. But for me, I was like, yeah, once I've got like 10 core sounds, that's enough for me to kind of mess around with 99% of the time. Um, I think you're right there. The only thing it does lack is some more weird experimental stuff um but that's why i think if you've got two loops for me i would add in something like an sy1 um or you know there's plenty of other things There's meris enzo or something like that something that give you the weird and wonderful side of things but uh the GT's giving given me all the drives and the majority of the modulations that i need yeah um a much more stripped back rig, but I've, I've kind of enjoyed that. <laughs> I, I, I really
1: enjoyed your little video. I thought, I thought you got the, the most, a surprising amount out of the pedal in what looks like a very easy and convenient
2: yeah, way I, to do it. So I have been toying with ideal for a while and I keep saying, I'm going to start, I'm going to start. And then I keep not doing it. And I, and I sat down did, I was messing around with a bit more music on Friday. I had Friday off and I was trying to like record and write songs. And I was like, so much of what I do is, like, in the moment. And what I really want to do is be able to capture that rather than try and write a song around it. And so I've been toying with this idea of of doing, um like, one-minute pieces of music, basically. Or, or somewhere between, like, 30 to 60 seconds of, of music, and it just being, like, this small snippet in time. So almost... um you know, sit in front of a synth and have an arpeggiator going and play with some effects and, and do that for like an hour, but just pull out like, a, you know, like a perfect minute of, of audio, like this captured moment in time. And and so much of what I do when I plug in a pedal board or create sounds is just there and in the moment, and it's just like yeah. one minute. And I've, I keep meaning to do it, and I, I promise myself I will start. Because I've read an in, a really interesting interview with the guy who formed Block Party kelly i can't remember his surname um but i love block party the first record was like i the first record came out not long after i got into playing guitar and it just had some great guitar sounds in it and uh his most recent record i was reading is him it's it's basically all written and recorded on like a loop pedal and he's like wrote the song so he could perform on a loop and then everything's recorded in like one take and in real time and I was like that's just such a cool a cool yeah. idea that's a great restriction to set on yeah, yourself and, man, and I just see think, what you can do I just think that's where I want to start like trying to write songs and stuff I'm like I need someone who's a bit more of a structured songwriter um, to someone like me who's all paintbrush and no canvas i need someone to i need someone to uh i need someone to actually like go no you need to be able to do this and maybe we should do this where i'm just like yeah here's a load of texture like go and put it on something um so look out for that i'm i'm gonna do that it's it's gonna be my um my thing I that think. sounds that sounds
1: exciting
2: yeah similarly and i think i i think i mentioned it briefly
1: last week but i'm uh now because I've I've got obsessed with these Snapdragon guitars, these uh these little foldable travel guitars, and of course, you know, we like the, the uh the Isotope Spire studio has been a real kind of cornerstone of me sort of convincing myself that I sound good at home because, you know, it makes everything sound great when you just sort of jam into it quickly. So I've decided to record an EP using just the uh Spire studio and a snapdragon um they're like 250 pound foldable acoustic the non-plug-in version so i'm going to do everything all the mixing in the app and uh i have to obviously get it mastered but um i'll which i will do myself but i'm going to do an entire ep using just those two things and see see how it comes out
2: i I, um what i have got access to at the moment and and this I was like, is this a crazy idea? Maybe you can tell me, Joe. So I've uh, regained access to my binaural microphones. Um, so, bina- so it's basically a block with two ears on it, and then each ear has got a-, a microphone in it with two XLR outputs. And I was like, well, I can't really mic everything up, and I've got like a limited interface, and I'm doing a bunch of like improv, like, ambient stuff or whatever on guitars like maybe i should record it on the binaural <laughs> microphone <laughs> i was like is that madness but then i was like actually maybe that i should try and do this at the week try and do this at the on saturday because uh amy's not around and i'm not sure she'd be 100 interested in doing this but i've i thought maybe i could take the spire has the spire got two xlr inputs or one? one two 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 so maybe wait, i could that- take
1: check it's right in
2: front of me two so maybe i could take the binaural microphone two xr leads and the spire and then just record the sounds of nature uh binaurally oh my god and then play it. over the top of it it's
1: the best idea do that this is, do that this, it's a this is a great idea matt
2: other people to write, write us in on the podcast because we'd start talking about this <laughs> but yeah maybe maybe i'll do that and i'll and post some results could be quite interesting i'm
1: i'm very excited about i'm very excited about that um, now uh, to continue, I do, do apologise, dear listener, if you wanted to talk uh, us to talk about guitars or something. But for now, we're going to continue our discussion about effects pedals because I wanted to talk about Jackson Audio. Um, friends of the podcast, Jackson Audio, they were kind enough, for, obviously, dear listener, if you're listening to the the free version of this podcast, you know that they've been uh, they were sponsoring the podcast for like the the last months. But uh, we got a a handful of their pedals. They sent us uh, a few for us to check out, and I, uh, I recently sent them up to you, Matt Knight, and I think you've you've had a chance to actually spend some time with the fuzz.
2: Yes, the fuzz and a bit of the Asabi. Um, So let's start with well, let's start with the Asabi because I think this is quite a cool one to start with. This is the Matthias Asato Signature um, and is two drive pedals in one, but it also includes their modular format. Which they also
1: have on the the fuzz, right?
2: That is correct, yes. So the Asabi is a classic kind of high-gain JCM 800 on one side and then a sort of more kind of a classic overdrive on the other side. Um, both can be um, used independently, or they can be used together. One goes into the other. They don't run in parallel, they run in series. Um, and that's really where it starts, and then it gets a whole lot of crazy from there on. Not terms of crazy in terms of sound, but just in terms of what you can do. Um, so they are all analog, but digitally controlled, like other pedals out in the market, like Chase Bliss, for example. Um, so, what is cool here is first of all, you can gain cycle. So, gain cycling on this particular pedal means that if you tap both of them together, you go between 25%, 50%, 75%, or 100% of where you set the gain pedal the control. So, you can actually. I love it. It's such a cool little feature to have because you can then go right. Well, I'm going to start off with medium gain. You know, you can have one pedal do, you know, the ver- intro, verse, chorus, solo, um, if you want, which is. But which you is can really only cool.
1: s- cycle in a linear fashion. I you assume. can
2: only cycle in in a linear fashion. But you could start at fifty percent if you wanted and go up to. 75 and then 100 and then double tap it, you know, and it will. you can go back. Um, so that's on there. So that's quite cool. Um, you've got a three-band EQ, active EQ, which, again, is very, very good uh, in terms of being able to really tone shape for recording or, you know, hopefully when people can go out and play gigs. Um, but one thing that's really interesting is they have built in a bunch of different clipping circuits. So clipping really determines how a drive pedal sounds and performs. And different clipping circuits are synonymous with different types of drive. Um, you know, the way a pedal clips ten- tends to dictate how it sounds. Um, and that's the same for all pedals, so, you know, hard clipping or soft clipping or, you know, asymmetrical, symmetrical is all terms that people throw around and then never really understand and the great thing about this pedal is it kind of helps you understand it a bit more because each side you can change the clipping circuit so if you take the standard drive um you can go between a governor a marshall governor style which is two leds symmetrically um so you've got more higher headroom a bit more of an open sound a bit more like a vintage marshall you've then got 808 style which is two symmetrical silicon diodes, so that gives you more drive and a bit more compression, like a tube screamer. Then you've got asymmetric high gain, so it's three diodes, so two silicon and one LED that clip um, asymmetrically, which give you a lot more high, high gain. And then you've got symmetrical high, high gain, which is four diodes, uh, which will clip the top and bottom portions evenly which gives you the most direct and focused sound so that's just one side and you can do that on both (laughs) sides (laughs) so you know this one pedal i guess you know you've got two drives a distortion and a drive you can then clip each one of those four different ways and then you can cycle the game through four different percentages such
1: an extreme amount of
2: versatility yeah, and, and I like the fact that it can be MIDI controlled. So that means that you can send CC messages to change you know, what clipping you you want or what drive needs to come on. The only thing it's missing, my only minor criticism, is that you can't save presets. Uh, it's got MIDI, but there's no saveable presets. Uh, that's the only thing I think it's missing. And you can do it through... Other means you can say, Well, always send this message and it'll always load this drive and this clipping. Um, But I'd like to be able to go, Well, I want asymmetrical clipping at 25% gain, and that's one preset, and you know, switch to it that way. But in terms of versatility, absolutely bonkers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, and then the fact that it's modular that you can swap out the drive circuit. Um, oh, is it? Inside. I thought it was
1: the distortion circuit
2: you swapped out. Uh, Yeah, sorry, the distortion circuit. Sorry. So you can take the distortion circuit out. So it starts off as like a JCM 800 kind of classic Marshall. Um, and then you can swap it out for... They've only got one other circuit at the moment. It's called the large mouse, um, which is obviously based on the uh, the classic RAT, which is a kind of different type of um, high gain drive for distortion. Um, but you can still do all the same features. You know, you can gain cycle, you can change the clipping, so you're actually creating some drives that you wouldn't necessarily be able to get like out in the wild. Um, I, I just think it's a crazy versatile pedal, and I think for someone who wants more of that kind of classic rock, uh, no, classic rock kind of pigeonholes it a bit more, I would say, yeah, sort of more of those classic distortion sounds, you know, sort of like marshally, high-gain stuff that you'd use for, you know, rock or high-gain blues, um, but it cleans up well on the volume control, it sort of does a bit of everything, really. Uh, what it doesn't do is the kind of lower-gain, clon-type stuff. Um, it's but, a bit, yeah, full-on. Yeah, I, I just think you really get your money's worth in terms of what the pedal does, which... Is amazing. I mean, yeah, priced on their website at the moment at three hundred and forty nine dollars. It's not a lot considering that you know, most. I mean, some people would consider it expensive for a distortion pedal, but I kind of class it as two distortion pedals in one, and then you've got a huge amount of versatility on top of that. Um, you know, and then put it in hands of someone like Matteo Sato It's like okay, there's just you know, a whole realm of stuff that you can you can do with it. Um, so I think that's really cool, but I have been super impressed as well with their fuzz, Fuzz. their modular fuzz. So this kind of does a similar thing in the fact that you've got the modular circuit. What it doesn't do is the gain cycling or the clipping. This is designed to be a analog fuzz pedal to end all analog fuzz pedals in the sense that, you don't have to keep buying lots of other pedals. You can just buy the module. Now we have yes, spoke I about modular this. pedals before, and you know they've always they, been a bit of a gimmick.
1: Modular pedals, but they I feel have. like this is this is actually making it a high end kind of
2: a very exclusive thing. This is extreme quality. I think where modular pedals have fallen down before is they expected you to have lots of modules. And then swap them out frequently. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna, you know, and it just like doesn't work. Like people just like a pedal and they plug it in and go, Great, sounds good. So what they've done is rather than release six fuzz pedals and gone, this one sounds like this, and this one sounds like this, they've gone, here's our fuzz pedal, and then here's a bunch of modules that you can buy. So you've got um, a fuzz circuit and an octave up circuit, like an octava circuit, because and that
1: is fantastic because they've mimicked some classic fuzzes but introduced the octave as part of it, which wouldn't be something you'd necessarily get with some of those. It's just in you're just getting access to supercharged versions of some classic
2: tones. Yeah, I think I think that's the way to look at it. It's like the Sabi's like a supercharged version of a bunch of like classic distortion pedals. This is like the same, but for. Fuzz pedal, so it comes shipped with like with what they call the modern fuzz, um, which is their kind of take on, a, I guess, like just their fuzz sound. Um, you then get modern fuzz deluxe, um, which adds in a different type of clipping, which you can you can set inside. Then you've got the fuzz classic vintage, um, so the classic fuzz with a smiley face. So it's a little bit lower gain. And I think that comes bit. shipped
1: with it as well, the fuzz classic. I vintage. think
2: it might do. Yeah, this fuzz. Yeah, this the fuzz ships with that module included. So you're going between modern fuzz and classic fuzz. Yeah. Then you can get fuzz classic modern. Um, so it's a a higher gain version of the vintage one. So. Uh, They say, like, more high-gain, slightly tighter feeling, because a classic fuzz face is kind of a little bit squidgy and a little bit soft, I guess you would say. Um, Fuzz fuzz page Mark II, which is their kind of classic tone bender. And then the goat head, which is the... um, Big Muff, Pi, Ram's Head, so the classic sort of 60s um, Big Muff, which I think is cool. Yeah, and and what I really like about this is you've got those fuzz pedals in there. Again, that's great. You know, on the the front of the pedal, you've got uh, volume, mid-frequency, which I think is really nice to dial in, you know, to be able to really hone in, dial that in. Three-band EQ plus uh, volume blend and octave level for the octave. So again, you know, very, very supercharged. But inside, um, you can also adjust a parametric EQ if you're so inclined, so you can really dive in um, if you want to. And I believe the goat heads, um, also included on this plugin board, are a tone and gain trimmer, so you can even adjust the maximum level of gain. Um, for me, this is a total winner for Fuzz. Um, I, I don't see many people maybe having all six modules and swapping them in and out you know I it's don't not think like that's a, what it's there for really is it it's no, for, th- it's it's so you can make this your fuzz yeah exactly i think the way that most people would go is is you you know ships with the modern fuzz ships with the classic fuzz and then people go oh that sounds cool but i'd actually i'm always a fan of big muff so i'll buy the you know i'll buy the goat head one at the same time and then people will just swap it in and that's that's where it will live forever yeah. you know um and maybe if you're in the studio you you might do but i think most people will will set and forget uh and that's where i i'm going with this as well i've only tried the modern fuzz which is the one that's in there um at the moment but i'm oh, very keen swapped it out yet oh, I I i'm excited to hear, hear what you yeah, think when you finally get around to swapping them out i for me um the the Octave was the win for me because I love my Boss FZ2 Hyper Fuzz, which is a Shinai Super Fuzz, which has got the kind of Octave Up vibe. Um, but I like the idea of having a kind of like a big muff pie on board, but then having the Octave as well. So, yeah, really, really cool. And we've still got like two or three other pedals um, to try as well yeah. in that range, which I think yeah. is... Um, which is very, very cool. I think we've got the Bloom, is that the... Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's one
1: that you. Know, I'll, I'll actually talk about now, um, which which I really liked. But uh, just, you know, quickly on, on the modules, I think, you know, the fact that they will be set and forget. I feel like Jackson Audio are aware of that because they've priced the modules so affordably. So I don't feel like you're, you know, I don't feel like you're... It's not a big commitment to buy this first and then the module that you know is going to be the tone that you want you know it's, yeah
2: it's it's, it's yeah, yeah 50 bucks is nothing really is it N- no well not it's, it's yeah it's well it's not nothing but i mean in terms of buying another pedal you know it's um you know because the pedal itself is 220 i think Something 220 dollars like from yeah. their website so you know that's that's pretty good going plus you get the extra module and then you know 50 dollars for the others i think that's you know that's really good, and some people say, "Oh well, I miss the MIDI and stuff like that." But I don't think it needs it. I think the drive pedal needs it because it, they've given you purposely a lot of different features that would be crazy if you couldn't access them via MIDI. Where this is much more of a kind of classic fuzz, I think. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, one of the other pedals which I'll I'll touch upon briefly the 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 Bloom, which is their kind of they call it a comprehensive dynamic engine. Um, designed to give nice. guitarists a maximum dynamic tonal control. Basically, what the Bloom is is it's offering uh, compression, EQ, and then what they call uh, Bloom, which is um, uh, uh, I have no idea what it is. Like a, like an, a, I guess an overall kind of tonal character to the uh, um, to the pedal. But the thing that that actually made me more excited was the introduction of the blossom which is there which is just one part of the of the of the bloom so the the blossoms the optical compressor so you get kind of the the compressor on a mix con. Uh, sorry the compression level you get a mix control a master eq which is a a tilt eq so you're you know you're cutting your bass as you're boosting your treble and vice versa um and then the the overall volume of the pedal Affordable in comparison to the rest of their pedals in that it's $200, and it's a fantastic optical compressor, like relatively transparent, just a fantastic tone-shaping tool, which I found, found is like, the these things, again with the Bloom, they've made it super versatile, you know, having all those, the compression, the EQ, and the Bloom feature, it's, it's MIDI controllable it's got a whole bunch of stuff there that it's designed for you to uh you know to to use with a midi switch and flick between different tones but i find with compression and eq certainly those tend to be things that I want to be the same. I want to use them to shape that overall tone and then use other things to add and change them. But I want to have a, a fixed EQ and a fixed compression the whole way through my sound. That's not necessarily what ev- everyone wants to do, but it's what I want to do. So um, the Blossom for me made a lot more sense. And it was, it was kind of in a mini pedal form, but it still quite chunky and probably the deepest mini pedal i've ever seen like it's quite tall off of the ground but just you know sheer extreme quality it'd be interesting to see what you think of the bloom matty because uh when, you know when you get round to it because it's a it's it's a fantastic pedal it was just you know a little almost a little bit more than i needed the blossom kind of the Blossom was everything that I could possibly want out of this pedal. And it's a great sounding, transparent compressor. You know, the EQ works really well. And then just being able to have that boost and the mix control between your compression and your clean signal is very, very important, especially for bass. So, uh, yeah, very, very cool. Um, all of the Jackson Audio stuff. We thoroughly recommend checking out, dear listener. It is uh, Indeed.
2: Indeed you is, do.
1: It is a rather wonderful bunch of stuff. Now... Um we don't have much longer left of this episode. So let's uh, let's let's talk about some news things. We're we'll going off into the into the Patreon after that where we're going to take a whole bunch of questions from the guitar Nerds group. But I want to talk about this new Q series of guitars from Ibanez. Um what Yes, an, Joe. <laughs> yeah. What, <laughs> what what an interesting and unique thing for ibanez to move into i think i'm right in saying so the q series dear listener if you're not aware is a is a completely new shape for ibanez and it's a headless guitar and i think i'm right in saying this is ibanez's first foray into headless instruments outside of their baseline uh of of uh, their, their, their headless basses that they introduced last nam i i i think um but yeah, this is this is their new guitar series. Pretty comprehensive, like at least three models, I think, in the actual series itself. And a signature model um, as well. Yeah, um, this
2: so uh, yeah, I, I, I had thought they must have done a headless instrument before, but I guess I guess not. I, I don't really know who we have to thank for this this headless explosion, because headless guitars have been around for a long time. It's not a new thing. I feel that maybe Strandberg kind of helped popularise it a little bit in, in recent this, times. This certainly um, has a
1: Strandberg-esque feel to it, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah it, do, it does in a way. So I guess for people that aren't looking at a computer right now, it... It's like their S-shape kind, similar to their S-shape, but where you've got no headstocks, you've got to put the tuning peg somewhere. They've dug out a C-shape at the the bottom. So what you end up with is a kind of almost, I don't know, I, I don't know how you would... Describe the body shape. It, it looks strangely familiar for some reason, and I can't, I can't think why. But yeah, basically, you've got your tuning pegs at the bottom. So there's a bit of a cutout at the bottom where you you would tune, and then like a head, you know, ibanez headless back it's of the headstock. Not fretted though. It's not fan fretted. No. So interestingly, they oh, okay.
1: do do a hand fretted. Uh, uh, sorry, a, a fan fretted option in this, but I'll the do standard that. model is not. Yeah,
2: because the body. Look, the look and the body shape reminds me a little bit of the Ergodyne series from the <gasps> late nineties, early oh, two thousands. Um which was uh is that sort yeah, of all-
1: sucked sweetness to it, you know.
2: Yeah, it's it's very bizarre. What's interesting is it uses a, a nato, nahato body. So that's a wood that I am not familiar with. Um is it it's not tra- pronounced?
1: It's NATO, and that's the... Uh, NATO. That's the uh, <laughs> mahogany alternative.
2: Yeah, maybe. So it's a trade name for a wood of number hardwood species within a particular... Um, yeah, it looks like a particular series. NATO is a... Or NATO is a reddish wood. Most species are easy to work with, and take stain and polish well it says tight straight grain resembles cherry wood um it's a sustainable resource ah good um so that that's always good that's always good to know um Gold frets? Evo gold frets? Yeah, I know. Um, Some of the features,
1: tw- e- even, even the fact that they've added, like, what I find unusual about this is the fact that it does, as you say, have that kind of, like, that rounded nature to, to the body shape. But on the bulk of the models, this isn't on all of them, but on the bulk of the models, they've included a scratch plate as well that's an HSS format, although there is a SSS and... Uh, 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 SSS and, uh, and two humbuckers as well. But um just going for a plate on a modern guitar like this just seems like a really unusual choice
2: yeah yeah i must admit the the one thing that strikes me as weird but i can see why they've done it is two strap buttons at the base because they're depending on where people want the guitar to sit um i think it just they stick out they look a bit weird but what i do like is their alternative switch so you've got it's an hss so you've got Single coil, single coil, middle, 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 outer coil of the humbucker, full humbucker. But when you flick the alternative switch on, you then start to get like single coils in um, series. You know, you're running um, neck single coil and bridge outer coil. So you're starting to get some, a range of different sounds, which I think is quite cool. And also looks like their pickups are specifically designed for this guitar and and i'd imagine the reason why is because you probably where you've cut quite a lot out of the guitar for the tuning machine heads you've perhaps had to compensate maybe a loss in sound in some ways um you know you might lose a bit of um sustain or oomph uh so yeah i think they've kind of done that you know custom string lock obviously quite a lot of custom hardware because it's headless um I'd imagine they're pretty lightweight. And then there, yeah, that leads into the um, the signature. So it's the signature model of the well-known Instagram player whose name I cannot pronounce. Isn't it Ichikonito? Um, is that Ichikonito? Is that how you yeah. pronounce it? Yeah, so, yeah, Um Who is a master at creating one-minute pieces of fantastic math rock guitar music it's sort of amazing how math has evolved into this uh in some ways joe if, you it's know, become if you an instagram
1: ba- music that's what it is well now. it's um,
2: <laughs> you know if you take like what um american football and you know like all of their like strange tunings and that sort of era and then it's sort of evolved into like modern day like virtuoso guitar playing this guy is Clearly one, one of those people, you know, just <laughs> insane guitar. I mean, also very strange guitar tone. Uh, I'm not saying it's bad. That's, you know, up to you to decide. But it's very, very basic in the sense that it, they use effects, post effects, much more um, creatively. And it's more about just the sound of a guitar. And, yeah, they've created his own signature, which is that model. But it's three single coils in a kind of pearl white um, Again, very interesting. Same body, roasted bird's eye fretboard. Um, looks like custom pickups specifically for him. Custom switching um, for him. Yeah, three-piece roasted maple babinga neck. Very I mean, look, very
1: if you, cool. If you were looking for something weird and modern, the fact that the standard Q fifty four model comes in like a cool seafoam green or a black, I kind of think they're hitting both demographics there. Like you know, sort of metal colors or you know, hipster colors. Like there's both things covered. The roasted maple neck is is a big win. A decent pickup selection. This hybrid of like classic looks and modern legs, modern looks. That's very kind of in vogue at the moment and the fact that they're about 850 pounds so i don't know what's that going to be i was going to say is that US? how much like the, for the basic Q54 i'm not looking at any of the other models right now but yeah 850 pounds so i guess what's that like sub 1000 us
2: yeah that's cool yeah i i, I do you know what I, I thought i'd seen somewhere post someone a post is like 1899 and i was like i'm sure they're not 1899 um but yeah, no, 849 eight, for the uh, Ichikonito Signature, which I think is pretty reasonable. I guess these aren't Prestige, so they'll probably be like the model down from that. Yeah, Premier, but yeah, I, isn't that? The yeah, Premier's something like that. Really I think that's that's great. I think look, it's nice you, to make it a bit more accessible as well.
1: I, I completely agree. You know, Ibanez, as always, have they've always been the first people. I feel like they look at what the boutique market's doing and then they just bring it. To you know, the affordable masses without with, with virtually zero compromise in in quality. You know, I they, mean that's
2: Japanese engineering and build for you. I, I get, think because you know, so. there's just no. No compromise on, on on what they're doing. Um, exactly. I, I mean, they were the first fantastic.
1: to do it with, with bold and Poplar Tops. They were first to do it with, like, monorail bridges for bass. They were first mm-hmm. to do it even on, when you talk about bass, introducing, like, Bartolini and Nordstrand to sort of Bartolini on, on sub-500-pound models, which was crazy. And then, you know, they've been... You know, the first to to maybe not the first to do roasted maple at an affordable level, but certainly the first to introduce fan frets at an affordable level, the first to introduce nine string guitars at an affordable level. And, you know, obviously, more conventionally, eight strings at an affordable level, <laughs> you know, that even let's not forget that seven string bass that's three fretless strings and four fretted yeah, strings, uh, you know, on and to- that, that bass was less than a thousand pounds
2: to uh, to to finish this I guess Joe one thing I would like to give uh you know a task to to all those out there. I forgot that Ibanez made a six a base six at one point, which what? we did talk about on the podcast many 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 moons ago, and uh I found out that obviously it was a terrible. Uh, failure and sharply discontinued, which is why you can't, uh, you can't find them anymore, but the Ibanez SRC6. Um, so if anyone sees one, please let me know because I would be very interested. Uh, the SRC6 in Walnut Flat, um, was, yeah, basically looks like there I remember it. Yeah, they're their um, I can't remember what their body, S- the sr S- S- sr sr bases. They're sr S- S- bases, but this is a e to e base six. Very very cool. I don't know if it was the same because there's a Mike Mushuk signature <laughs> um, as well, which probably would be easier to find. But uh, <laughs> I think he. Yeah, he definitely had a signature Ibanez at one point. Yes, the Triple M1, the Mike Mushuk signature, which I also have a feeling was tuned to some sort of crazy tuning. Uh, nice. And then he moved to PRS, if I remember rightly. Yeah, his Ibanez looked strangely like the SRC6, but was a through-bodied hardtail. Oh. Um, but yeah, SRC6, forgot it existed. Now I want one. <laughs>
1: Wow. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's you know that that's pretty b- b- odd to taste of you. I'm not going to suggest for a second that it looks in any way decent. Oh, but okay. It, it's, but, uh, okay. It, I,
2: I'm not sure. It, I, it's, I don't know. I like the, I, I for some reason I always liked those old SR bases, <laughs> and then oh, I just goodness. like the I just like the idea of uh, of this a six string bass. Um. Yeah, bass six, basically. Yeah.
1: Well, there you go. You should you uh, you should, you should definitely try and invest in one. You should get one, Matt. You should get one.
2: I'll find that one. Is, uh, you, yes, you should indeed. But
1: that's that's all the time we have on this week's episode. So, dear listener, you can, of course, join us over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. where you know, we, there's an entire extra episode every week. This week, me and Matt have got some great questions uh, from the Facebook group. So we're going to be kind of working our way through those you can become a patreon supporter for as little as a dollar a month that's it at the dollar tier you get this episode ad free and early no ads for you you get it early every week five dollars gets you access to our patreon special episodes and our entire back catalogue which is many and at ten dollars you get the lot plus i'll sing you my thanks at the end of every episode you can find us on all your favorite social media platforms and join the guitar nerds group on facebook to get involved in our weekly episode discussion thanks for listening you've been lovely we've been the guitar nerds farewell Checking on the guitar nerds when you're feeling blue You're a Telecaster and a Stratocaster fan You also like weather and allocated music man You take one look at a friendly custom shop You know that that's another three years when You're gonna draw But my life Love 50s do it so unique Now go and
0: buy the plugin from the plugin of the week your dad hurts, tell him in your ears. So listen to us tonight and drink a bunch of beers. We got Matt, I, and Jake plus two. I can't even
1: judge up when it's time for me to do. We got JD and me, only look the cloud. But I am the best
0: on these episodes. Come and laugh, but we could do this podcast without you. Yeah everything a podcast host could ever want to see
1: closely, I'm. All-
2: Sean Brown, Holly Simpson, Eric Vaughan, John Conway, The Studio Rats, So Russell, Howard, Yogi the guitarist, Ty Allen, Cloud, Lutton, Simon Scal, Harris, Joe Havard, Sean Hughes, Brian Hanson, Eric Hemmer, Jeffrey Wax, Shane M, Brian
1: Einsler, Jonathan Havate, Kevin Vanden, Linden, Marcus al Robert Badawa, Samuel Frost, Stuart Ronson, Christian Lundhampson, Keith Adams, Eric Fowle, Dallas Henry, Scott Utting, Jack Cutmore, Ellie Manley, Simon Millbourne, Ken Sayers, Michael McVay, Aaron Peter, Sean Arbo, Ernie Cooper, Joe Patek, Blake Wyland, Dave Lee, Nate Nagel, Ross Edwards, John Edmond, Aaron Sherman, James Gall, Ryan McDermott, Jake Gray, Derek Rich, Scott Kennedy, Steve, Markle, oh, yes, so. Abe uh, hey, Matthews, Christopher Devanosis, Stephen Ball, Robert Smith, Titopia, the band, JD Shaw, Andy McKenzie, Brad Page, Paul Corrigan, Rob Nordwick, Scott O'Brien, and
0: Moog Revit.